Atlas. 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 Yes. I, ha- I used to have some when I was a kid. <laughs> I had to look geography on. <laughs> That's right. To see, you needed needed a, a view of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. At that at that time, I'm gonna date myself, but I couldn't just Google it. I had to actually open a book and, and see what it was. So it was That's the right. atlas, but. I don't go. think you're thinking about that atlas. I think I think that's a different atlas that uh, I'm thinking about, and uh, to be honest, I don't know much about it myself, which is why I'm excited to uh, to have our guest, Dr. Christina, on with us uh, from Mitre. Uh, Christina, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Sean, and thanks, Marco. It's great to be on the show. Yes, and this is part of our chats on the road to RSA conference, and. Uh, you, Christina, are a panelist on on one of the sessions that caught our, our attention, uh, basically hardening uh, AI and ML systems, uh, kind of the, you refer to as the next frontier of cybersecurity. So we're going to get into that panel and, and some things surrounding it, the work you're doing at MITRE with Atlas, which is why I was kind of teasing that out a little bit, uh, where I think we, we think a lot about AI and ML from, uh, from a privacy and, and usage perspective would often miss the mark on security. We're going to dig into that today. Uh, before we do, though, a little bit about you and your journey uh, to and at MITRE. What, what are you up to? Absolutely. So I've had the unique opportunity to work with and support sponsors all across the government over the past 10 years in everything from healthcare to national security. Uh, it, it's kind of a a unique spot in being inside of MITRE. Uh, We're we're getting to leverage AI systems and AI-enabled systems and think about how to do that in an assured and appropriate way. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be part of one such sponsor conversation several years back that led to our partnering with Microsoft and about a dozen other organizations to launch the original version of Atlas uh, almost three years ago now. And Atlas and AI security have been my primary technical and kind of leadership focus inside of MITRE ever since. Uh, outside of Atlas and AI security, I've actually passionately been focused on building and, and growing our AI and Autonomy Innovation Center here at MITRE. Uh, we, we launched that also about two and a half years ago. And uh, I'm proud to say we've grown it into really an incredible force of about 200 researchers and leaders just supporting just about every part of the government. Uh, in AI and AI assurance. So yeah, it's it's coming from a really cool spot inside of MITRE. Uh, and for those of you that aren't familiar with MITRE, MITRE is a, a pretty unique place that it's a not-for-profit that works across most of those government sectors, uh, supporting and advising our, our government sponsors and understanding their unique mission and needs and bringing our deep technical expertise and network of uh, over 10,000 MITRE engineers, scientists, and really technically b- brilliant folks forward when uh, there's a need to work on the most critical and impactful problems across the government because we're also a, a not-for-profit objective 33rd party. Uh, we also get to work across industry and bring industry and government together like we do with Atlas to solve problems that we know will impact the entire community of both public and private sectors. So I'm curious, two, three years ago, and I'm sure it wasn't, we flipped the switch. It was probably a few years leading up to the launch of some some of those things that you actually initiated. Was that considered forward looking <laughs> at the time? I mean, it's in every chat GPTs in every, every news segment, it seems at this point. So 
we've, we've reached a point where it's very well known and, and I don't know if understood, but certainly people have awareness of it. But two, three years ago, were you kind of leading edge, especially when people think about government kind of lagging in terms of technology <laughs> prowess in, in some instances? Yeah, I think we were, especially uh, because we were collaborating with industry. Uh, so much of the you know forefront of developments in AI are, are happening in the industry space right now, which is exactly why we knew when we were going to try and you know take advantage of this proactive window with our collaboration. We knew we had to have industry you know at the heart of it, uh, which is exactly you know how all of this got started and how it has continued to explode. Because even like you're saying, the the space has evolved so rapidly over the last two and a half years since we started doing this. Uh, just the number of startups or, or spinoffs from really uh, massive companies <laughs> has exploded over the last year, year and a half. We have so many partners uh, under the Atlas collaboration right now that like didn't even <laughs> have any focus or, or anything to do with AI security a year and a half ago and are now you know focused on it full time. So yeah, absolutely. As the AI adoption has skyrocketed over the last year, year and a half, uh, the AI security and assurance focus, both from a venture capital and industry investment perspective and number of brilliant people in the space thinking about how to realistically deal with these problems have, have both grown a lot. So when, when you talk about frontier, I always think about it's it's a new delimitation of you know a territory, almost like a static point. But then you add cybersecurity on it and it is dynamic. <laughs> For me, it does it's not <laughs> static anymore. And and you guys are always at the forefront of these always you know, this frontier in a way is kind of like an ideal. It's always, as you get closer, it gets far, far and far away. But I think a lot of people nowadays, when they think about uh, artificial intelligence and, and the way we use it, you know, chat uh, GPT, for example, you, you don't immediately think about, oh, it's a cybersecurity issue. But turn out it is. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Why is uh, big, uh, a big problem and something we need to talk about. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting how many of these systems are getting deployed, uh, especially by folks that don't quite realize the, the risk that come with deploying those systems. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the excitement and, and continued like innovation around AI, right? So it's not like I think it necessarily needs to slow down. Uh, it's more that I, I want to make sure that people understand the risks that they're taking when they're deploying these systems and are at least making informed decisions uh, when they're using them, which is uh, actually part of why we're doing such a big shift in focus underneath the Atlas collaboration to, to focus on these new evolving threats, uh, especially in this kind of prompt injection environment that is so parallel to so many of the different AI uh, and machine learning attack pathways that we've, we've seen kind of developing over the, the past few years. Uh, we actually just released a case study on a math GPT attack and have several more uh, GPT or large language model focused case studies coming soon to the, the Atlas matrix. And we've, we've formed that little bit of a collaborative working group of industry partners that are both trying to use uh, GPT or large language systems or secure these new attack pathways uh, for you know, themselves or, or their customers as uh, new evolved tactics and techniques uh, continue to, to come out of the you know, adoption and implementation of these systems as we're you know, seeing how an adversary can use them. Uh, actually, in that, that math GPT attack, it uh, <laughs> was a German master's student that was acting as a, um, you know, a, a bad actor, right? But he didn't have malicious intent when he was attacking that math GPT system. 
and he was able to both bring down their server for a couple of days and get access to their GPT uh, API key. And that's, you know, there, there's a lot of things that he could have done if he had been a malicious actor in that particular circumstance, but we're actually treating that as almost like a red teaming exercise because he was actively trying to report it uh, to MathGPT, you know, in real time while he was, you know, finding these vulnerabilities in their systems, right? So that's that's the other thing too. The, the space is evolving really rapidly, both because organizations are somewhat naively uh, adopting and deploying these systems and uh, folks in real time are, are trying to figure out how they're vulnerable because we haven't had so many of these systems to play with in the past. So be before you and Sean get into more technical stuff, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to connect again with the news. And, and you know, we, we, we've seen this big uh, letter signed by mm. the biggest uh, AI investor, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> about pausing AI. I mean, what's your thought on that from, uh, would it be a wise idea maybe, or or is just another piece of marketing? Because I kind of have that feeling. I definitely understand where people are coming from. And I think it's a really important thing to be thinking about. Um, but the, the thing that always comes to mind in my mind when I think about, all right, what if we actually did decide to, to pause as a community? Um, it would likely be the people that have the best intentions, right? We're actively trying to be positive about implementing these technologies and malicious actors or, you know, adversaries are not going to be taking it. They're not going to pause. No, no. they're not going to be respecting that kind of a pause, right? So really th there's a risk <laughs> that even with our best intentions to, to slow something down and try to be more deliberate about how we're using these systems, we're actually making ourselves more vulnerable uh, because the the adversaries are continuing would continue to develop uh, you know ways to attack and take advantage of our systems in that absence of you know us <laughs> trying to be on the leading edge of it. So which which of Marco and I would pause? That's the question. Which, <laughs> which the other would pr pursue. That's a trick question, of course. I want I want to. So you talked about the risk. You gave me an example of the math GPT. Uh, breach, I'll say it, a test that uh, was a penetration test that succeeded, let's say. Um, how, I mean, th these are computers, systems mm -hmm. running somewhere with some software, probably an operating system, some software, and they have some applications and some some algorithms and an interface. And, and you, met, you pointed out APIs that allow people to connect through other systems, but it, it's still a system for the most part. Mm -hmm. So are, are we at risk just because people are forgetting about cybersecurity or are there other elements within the system that make it more ripe uh, to attack, uh, more rich in terms of exposure uh, that they present? Or what, what's, what's kind of that landscape look like in terms of threat vector? Yeah, some traditional cyber defenses work well. Uh, for some of the vulnerabilities of AI-enabled systems, but you have to be particularly vigilant in applying them to the threat surface that is now introduced by incorporating AI into your system, which is why it's so important to understand the new threat services that come from incorporating AI. Uh, I think it, there's a little bit of a chasm between you know, fully understanding adversarial machine learning, right, which is like really hardcore focused on the, the machine learning element of the system specifically, uh, and then there's the cyber world, which is like worried about this totally different problem space. But the bit in between, which is really what we focused on even within the Atlas community, is what it looks like to introduce an AI enabled or AI system inside of your system of systems or enterprise context, right? It's thinking about the combination of the two. Uh, this math GPT attack example, 
they that that whole vulnerability happened because they connected that GPT system with a Python front end, right? So like they didn't realize how much vulnerability they were, you know, exposing um, by doing that. Like it's it's not like GPT was performing incorrectly. Um, so it wasn't a traditional adversarial machine learning attack, but it was because the system design and and their you know risk decisions that they were uh, making around all of this, they they didn't realize the amount of vulnerability they were introducing by just connecting those two systems, which is not an uncommon setting even for uh, many of the other attacks that we've seen and, and documented as case studies in Atlas. Uh, actually, another example of like a facial recognition system. Uh, there was a, a $77 million loss uh, by the Shanghai Tax Authority um, when just a couple of individuals, uh, right, not even nation state actors, took advantage of the vulnerability of their facial recognition system uh, over a two and a half year period uh, in order to get away with that $77 million loss. And it was all because uh, they were using the facial recognition system in such a way that, you know, they the, the two actors uh, were able to present just a like very modified, crude couple of video feeds, like very, very easy to, to implement uh, video feeds through a cell phone that was super cheap that they could just replace the, the front facing camera with a, that modified video feed. Um, and that that traditional vulnerability uh, of them being able to acquire personal information off the black market and these headshots that they use to, to create that privileged access, right? They were able to get that privileged access to the the tax system, and then issue invoices to, to fraudulently collect that $77 million over a two and a half year period, um, right? The, the facial recognition system was vulnerable to the them presenting these really crude videos of uh, faces that were just opening and closing their eyes and mouth and, and slightly moving their head around. Um, but it was really because of that kind of system of systems context, um, both in that case and even in, in many others that we've seen uh, in the the Atlas framework, that is really why we're we're you know talking as much about this as we are, because uh, it's not just adversarial machine learning anymore. You're not just trying to to evade or erode a model. Um, it's really much more about the the easy things that a malicious actor can do to take advantage of the vulnerability of your full AI enabled system once you're incorporating these things into your broader system of systems context. Yeah, why uh, why work hard and long if you can right. just quit? <laughs> get in. Is there still uh, a decent amount of risk in breaking the models? Because I'm, I'm thinking sports betting or financial systems and banking, stock trading, for example, uh, within there. And if uh, I'm familiar with application security, where you can throw certain code commands through uh, through API calls and and uh, URL presentations and things like that to get an application to give you access to things you shouldn't have or do things yeah. that it shouldn't do. Is it the same? And is there a lot of risk there or is it, or is that still too hard for the models in these AI ML systems? We're still in a bit of a proactive window. So I don't think we've seen adversaries adapt as much as they will um, or have in the cyber context, right? There's a lot of easy things, low level of sophistication things that they can do to attack our systems. Um, but that proactive window, I think it, as we continue to see more and more of these systems deployed and AI security continue to rise a little bit, right? Like we, we start to implement just the, the easy fixes <laughs> within our systems. I think we're going to rapidly see our adversaries, uh, you know, ramp up their capabilities and skill sets to take advantage of these systems in a much more sophisticated way. 
Um, but, you know, to your other point about these kind of consequential environments, right? The, we're not just talking about easy, harmless applications of AI anymore. As we deploy machine learning systems in any kind of consequential setting uh, where anyone might have a motive to misuse or attack your system, you should absolutely be thinking about a healthy budget for red teaming. And it can be hard to put a number on, you know, how much money uh, red teaming, even from a cyber perspective, has has saved the, the broader community over the years. But I think that's, that's really where we have to think um, when we're thinking about AI security for the future here, because these systems are very vulnerable uh, and finding those vulnerabilities within our systems and then making informed risk decisions um, about what those vulnerabilities look like and whether or not it's worth trying to, to patch them, right? Be prepared for uh, these threats and vulnerabilities in those kind of consequential settings. It, I think we absolutely have to prioritize it. Well, I think this is a great uh, uh, lead into maybe teasing a little bit about what we'll, you will be doing at RSA conference maybe with your, your panel. I mean, it seems it's exactly the topic of it. So uh, you want to give us uh, some information about that so people can get excited and, and show up. Um, but don't give it away too much, okay? <laughs> don't tell Absolutely. us the end of the movie. Don't, don't do that. I'm really excited to, to be on this panel with my, my friends at the FBI and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence uh, and then some of our industry friends from Calypso AI. We're, we're really looking forward to talking to the community about the need to harden our AI-enabled systems. Um, like we've been talking a good bit about it today. It's, it's important that the community understand that these systems are vulnerable. And it's, you know, you having a, a huge uh, investment in AI is not the only type of organization that, that needs to be worried about these threats to our systems. Uh, I think that's a lot of it now is that AI is becoming a lot more accessible, easily adopted in uh, so many ways in different domains and, it, you know, I think that's the the thing that much more of the community needs to realize and understand. The the people that are investing millions and billions of dollars in, in developing these AI technologies are not the only ones that are vulnerable or that need to be prioritizing red teaming and security for these systems. Uh, you know, if if we're applying it in any way within our environments, you need to make an informed risk decision about what that uh, vulnerability is for your your broader system of systems context. And and we're really looking forward to to diving into it from both the government perspective and the industry perspective and, and what we think uh, we as a community can start to really do about that uh, in our RSA discussion on Monday. I love to use the uh, the term risk in there because um, I, I think we, we probably have to look at this differently from a risk perspective mm -hmm. as well, right? So there's the traditional CIA model we can follow. Are these systems going to get taken down? Are the, is the data going to... Uh, compromise and, and its integrity lost. Uh, certainly there's the uh, confidentiality, which touches mm -hmm. on privacy of IP and things like that. Um, but many of our, many times we talk about the, the use cases. So it's easy to get into the weeds of this system does this and it shouldn't and we block it. But how does that fit into the, the big picture of the business? And that's changing the, the risk calculation there. So right. will, we, will you be touching on on that to maybe help guide folks to think differently um, as part of the panel discussion? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it, to your point, it is absolutely impacting a lot more organizations, even than just the, the high consequence government environment that, that immediately comes to mind, right? When you think about, um, you know, healthcare, national security, 
uh, transportation, right? Like any of the things inside of government that might start to, to implement AI, you can immediately understand why that's important to protect and secure. Um, but from an industry standpoint, right? Anybody that's applying AI in a consequential setting, we, we've been having conversations with you know, typical household brand name organizations, right? Like massive food developers or, or folks putting out uh, pharmaceutical products or, or anything in the, the health space, right? Like it's just, there's there's so many organizations that are looking to take advantage of the value of AI and that value is at risk uh, if you don't have very deliberate plans for security and assurance built in around all of those deployments of, of AI within your broader systems. Uh, which is, I think, what what we're excited to continue to to hammer home in our discussions with the community, and also uh, build the the collaboration around. Because what we've continued to find is that no one is going to solve this problem in a silo. An individual organization is never going to have the full picture of the threat space, or uh, you know what could be realistically facing their systems. So bringing more of the community together, both industry and government. Uh, to better understand what that ground truth is on on how an adversary could take advantage of these vulnerabilities in our system and sharing the tools and capabilities across the organization, uh, organizational boundaries to, to be able to do something about it. Uh, even from like, you know, just the conversations that we've been having with, with different government groups and even like large scale industry groups, uh, helping them see that their systems are, you know, only as strong as their weakest system. Uh, and if they're, you know, partnering with other organizations or, or integrating different tools and capabilities, if they don't understand uh, the, the vulnerabilities that come with that integration, then they can't make the, the informed risk decisions. And, and, you know, and this is all comes back to zero trust kind of thing, right? Like you need to have a really good picture of what all of your systems in context with each other bring uh, to the table from a risk standpoint, which is why it's so important to, to have these cross organizational discussions. And for me, it always boils down to uh, enabling innovation and growth, mm -hmm. uh, but then protecting it once uh, <laughs> once you're doing that. Yeah, so, exactly. Security, which, security built in. <laughs> yeah. Which is why yeah. I think we're also seeing the regulation space around this evolve right. uh, in in such an interesting way because you know we we've got a whole lot of you know cybersecurity type requirements laid out in the community already. Um, but many of our, you know, both government and industry conversations are about like, all right, let's let's try to to help inform uh, the potential regulation coming down the pipe, so it's as efficient and effective as possible. Because you know, it's not like industry doesn't want this to be regulated. I think they also want to to have safe and secure systems deployed, and government is being appropriately measured about thinking about how they want to implement regulation around all of this. Um, so it, having that kind of joint set of conversations to be able to, you know appropriately inform the risk um, or the, the regulation coming, I think is, is a lot of what our community is ex excited about because we're, we're in that proactive window to, to be able to do that. Um, and if we you know wait too long or, or folks aren't involved in the conversation, then it's not likely to be as, as good for the community as it, as it could be if we were focused on it now. Yeah. And speaking of uh, getting involved, being part of the conversation uh, in, the, in the community there, um, I'm sure there's a, a connection back to Atlas as well. Um, describe that to us. Uh, what is, what is, who is the community? What is Atlas? What does it do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Atlas is, how, how can folks get involved if, if that's appropriate? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Atlas is, is more than just a, a public facing framework, right? It's directly built off of and meant to be used in concert with attacks. So we, we built it in that familiar format. So, so cybersecurity engineers that were trying to come up to speed on the AI side could easily adopt it and, and understand what we were trying to, to communicate 
there, but there's a, a much more than just that public facing web page, right? There's a full community around it. We've got, you know, 70 or 80 organizations involved in our Slack space where we're actively talking about these threats and vulnerabilities, the, the mitigation techniques, um, anything that we as a community can and should be doing uh, to prepare for these threats and, and implement uh, tools and capabilities within our own systems or is, is an ongoing discussion in that Slack space. Uh, beyond that, we're standing up some very protected mechanisms for incident sharing right now across the community. Uh, so, you know, bringing together our trusted partners that are mature enough in this space and, and have a good understanding of, of what their threats and vulnerabilities are, look like within their systems. They've, they've stood up red teams or uh, they're they're working across even like other partners to, to help them understand the vulnerabilities within their systems. That's the kind of ground truth we need to inform where our community can, you know, understand what's going on and where we can be going. Uh, and that's that's why we're standing up these protected mechanisms, taking advantage of that, you know, MITRE as an <laughs> objective third party space where we can be that safe space to, to collect and anonymize, work directly with an organization to protect their IP and their sensitive information, but also get that ground truth that's going to inform a lot more of what the community should and, and can be worried about uh, as we're, we're developing tools and techniques to, to counter these systems. So yeah, absolutely. Jump in uh, there. There's quite a few invite and, and contact links within the, the public facing webpage of Atlas there. Uh, there's a lot of tools and capabilities under the GitHub page. Uh, and, and we would love for anyone that's interested or, or even just coming up to speed on this topic to join into the conversations in the Slack space and, and be part of the community. Yep. Love it. And we'll, we'll have to get, get those links from you for the, uh, all this all the sites and and uh logins that you're you're mentioning there and one i mean it's it's about humans actually <laughs> these conversations <laughs> right not the machines themselves so right. uh so the first step to doing that is uh monday the 24th be sure to uh catch the session hardening ai ml systems the next frontier of cybersecurity 9:40 a.m local time there in moscone west which is where Mark and I will be spending most of our time that week as well in Broadcast Alley. Um, so definitely start that journey there with that session. Meet Christine and the other panelists and the moderator and and uh, kick, kick into the conversation. Then then get part of Atlas and, and be part of what MITRE is doing. It's always good stuff. I've been, been following the attack stuff. I'm excited to follow the Atlas stuff now. Hey, there's no by mistake that stronger together is the theme of our state <laughs> conference, right? I, I, as uh, Christina was saying, all those things like the community, the policymaker and sharing, and I'm like, yeah, those are, that's exactly what is summed to at the end, stronger together. So I'm excited to see everybody up at our state conference. And for those that cannot make it, just follow our uh, coverage. And, uh, and I know there are some sessions that will be definitely show on uh, on demand as well so everybody can be part of it in a way or another um follow us subscribe there'll be a lot of content coming up and a lot has been already recorded so th this was uh actually i think uh the last chats on the road before our actual chat this is the, the one <laughs> this is the last chats from the office <laughs> from the <laughs> office we call it on the we'll pretend like we're driving here. that's right that's right but uh i'm, I'm super grateful for you taking the time, Christina, and uh, thank you for all the work you do with MITRE. Uh, I know it's important and uh, it doesn't, doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you thank for that. Thank you, Sean. And, thank you, Marco. Uh, I really appreciate y'all taking the time to, to focus on this important topic that 
I'm obviously we're really passionate about, but are excited to get more of the community shifting to focus on it as well. So really looking forward to seeing you in person next week as well. Yes, absolutely. See you there. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>